Amen. 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 There you go. Very good. Hey, for those of you uh, who may have come in a little bit late, we've got our worship team hidden under the porch up here because there is a potential for a little bit of rain this morning. But uh, one more time, would you just lay on your horn and say thank you to them for leading us in song this morning? Thank you so much. Yeah, this is a uh, part of our community that is absolutely no stranger to noise. When our staff and a few volunteers were out here a couple of weeks ago walking the property and making plans for things today, uh, multiple points in time while we were here, our conversation was interrupted by the roar of jets overhead nearby from the air station. If you've spent any amount of time whatsoever in Beaufort, if you've spent any time here, you know what this is like. You know what it's like to be sitting at a drive-through and have to pause temporarily the order that you're making. Or if you're outside making a phone call, you know what it's like to have to pause your conversation. Or if you're taking a nap in the middle of the day or sleeping at night, you know what it's like to have to pause your sleep. But for every moment uh, that this feels like an inconvenience, there's a nice sign out by the road at the air station that reminds us the noise we hear is the sound of freedom. And over the last couple of weeks, even with the continued roar of jets overhead, our freedom has felt just a little bit less free. A few weeks back, coronavirus unleashed a gauntlet of restrictions that have challenged some of the most daily basic functions of our lives. And as a result, it's left many of us feeling trapped. Many of us right now feel trapped at home because you or a loved one are susceptible to contracting the virus. Others might feel trapped at work because you're a healthcare professional and your job, which was already difficult, has now become immensely more complicated. Some of us feel trapped financially because you've lost employment or you've lost income or you've lost revenue at your business. You've lost, uh, we feel trapped socially because uh, we're stuck at the home, we're isolated, we're cut off from friends and family or in the opposite direction, you might feel trapped relationally because right now you are stuck at the house and you know that things at home are not okay. Even today, as we gather here, some of us feel trapped spiritually because it's Sunday morning on Easter and we're not sitting in a pretty building with stained glass, we're sitting in a Kia Forte without tinted windows. And it just doesn't feel quite like Easter. But, but what we need to understand this morning and, and what we wanna go ahead and get straight right away is that Easter is the reminder that hope can often be found in the most hopeless of places. Because 2000 years ago on a Sunday morning, hope was not found in a church building full of people. Hope was found in an empty tomb. Jesus says of himself in John chapter 11, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Easter cannot be canceled because Easter is not an event. Easter's not a holiday. Easter is not a tradition. Easter is a person. And the resurrection is not just something that Jesus does. The resurrection is who Jesus is. And so today, as we gather here and we, some of us feel trapped in whatever our circumstance is, we're reminded that 2,000 years ago, for a moment, there was a tomb that trapped a body. But at the break of dawn, light came bursting through and darkness was overcome as Jesus Christ rose and conquered the grave. And there's a story in Acts chapter three, for those of you who are following on the Easter at the driveinorg website, this uh, scripture's there. Maybe you've got a Bible with you. That's great too. Acts chapter three, there's a story where this power is on display. The power of the name of Jesus Christ. 
a name that brings healing, a name that brings life, a name that brings freedom, a name that brings resurrection. We learn early on in this story that there's a man who's been paralyzed from his birth. And from uh, the beginning of his life, he's never had the opportunity to work for himself, to provide for himself, and he has lived his life completely dependent on others. And this condition has plagued him for this entire life. He's permanently disabled, and he's totally dependent on others to transport him wherever he goes. But then he is approached by two men who come to him in the power of the name of Jesus. And through their work, he finds healing, and he finds freedom, and he finds hope. So this is from Acts chapter three. We're gonna read starting verses one through four. It says, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gates of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. And seeing Peter and John about to go in to the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. There's a number of truths that we learn about who Jesus is in this passage this morning that are made evident through the lives of his followers. That this is a man who's been paralyzed since the time of of his birth. And while almsgiving was uh, one of the pillars of the Jewish faith, Oftentimes, those who weren't giving out of obligation or just because they felt guilty would give, not because they cared genuinely about this man, but because they cared about themselves. Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six that there were many who would stop and give, not because they cared about the need that they were meeting, but because they cared about having and receiving the praise of others. So on the very rare occasion that someone would stop and help someone, it was generally not because they wanted to draw attention to them, but to draw attention to themselves. And this is the antithesis of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, this type of self-serving religion. Jesus said that his mission in coming to earth was to seek and to save the lost. And the calling of the church of Jesus Christ is to be the body of Christ, is to be the hands and feet and eyes and ears of Jesus that see and engage the brokenness and the lostness of our world. And so it's through the example of two of his followers in Acts 3 that we see who Jesus is. We see here in Acts chapter 3 that when we are trapped, he will hear our cry. When we're trapped, he will hear our cry. This man sees Peter and John walking into the temple and he calls out to them asking for alms. Verses one and two say that this was at the temple at the hour of prayer, which was the ninth hour. And this was around three o'clock in the afternoon, a time of the day when thousands of people would have been pouring into the temple and they lay this man at a gate, at a door that's called the beautiful gate. Most scholars believe that this was a door that was made of of Corinthian brass. And so it was large, magnificent, beautiful portal. And yet here's the irony of the brokenness of the world as this man sits right outside the doors of the gate asking for alms. And so Peter and John come along and they see him and he calls out and they hear him and they respond. It says in verse three, seeing Peter and John, he asked to receive alms. In verse four, Peter and John directed their gaze upon him and said, look at us, look at us. It doesn't say that Peter and John saw him and said, man, uh, that's terrible, someone should stop and help. 
Doesn't say that Peter and John saw him and said, uh, man, I would stop and do something, but I'm running late for prayer and I really need to get inside. It doesn't say uh, any church speak here where Peter and John say, you know what we should do is let's form a committee and talk about what it would look like if we stopped and helped this man. Doesn't say that Peter and John saw him and said, I would help, but I'm practicing social distancing. That's not what happens here. The language, verse four, says that they gazed intently. This, this could be expressed as a fastening or a fixing of their eyes. These people saw this man's need and they locked in on him. And they said, look at us. And this is so important. This is so important because this man has a type of disability that at this time would have been the ultimate sign of humiliation. He's a man who's never been able to work for himself. He's never been able to provide for himself. He's never been able to do anything for himself. He's completely dependent on the generosity of others. And many at this time in this culture would have thought of him as being cursed because of the disability that he was born with. And Peter and John stop and they take time to notice him. And they see him not in the brokenness of his condition. They see him as a child of God. And they say, look at us. And many of us today, either maybe by your own doing or maybe even by something like this man that is completely not your fault. You feel alone in silence and isolation and you're wondering if God sees you. You're wondering if he knows what you're going through and you feel like the story of your life is just a story of how the world has cast you aside and maybe how the church even uh, wittingly or unwittingly has just continued to pass you by. And I'm, I'm here today to tell you that in spite of the cruelty of this world and in spite of the failures of the church, you have never for one millisecond of your existence escaped the gaze of your heavenly father. He sees you and he loves you. He sent his son Jesus to save you. As you sit trapped in your present circumstances, trying to just get enough to make it to the next day, his eyes have been fixed upon you and he's inviting you today to look into his. He sees you and he's not forgotten you. Verses five through seven say that he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. So we learn of Jesus through the actions of his disciples in Acts 3, that when we're trapped, he will hear our cry and second, he will raise us up. He'll raise us up. Can you, you imagine how disappointing their original statement must have been to this guy? He's, he's sitting outside the gate of the temple. He's asking to receive alms. He's begging for money. Someone finally takes time to pause and notice him. And the first thing they say is silver and gold we do not have. Nice to meet you. But that's the one thing that he thinks he needs more than anything else. And so I just put myself in this guy's shoes and I'm sitting here thinking, what I need right now is money. Guys, I don't wanna sound ungrateful. Thanks for stopping by. But if silver and gold you do not have, then a conversation with you I do not want. He, he thinks he does, he, they, they, he's not looking for, for what it is they have to offer him. And so they come to him not having what he wants, but they do have everything he needs. And they offer him so much more than he ever could have begun to expect. And in one moment, Peter takes him by the hand and he raises him up. And then all of a sudden, bones begin to strengthen and muscles begin to function and ligaments begin to stretch and blood begins to flow. And for the very first time in his life, he stands on his own two feet. 
as they raise him up. And in that moment, he experienced the full force of the healing power of the name of Jesus Christ. Over the last few decades, the church in many ways has been largely powerless and ineffective. And oftentimes, it's because so much of our confidence lies in our silver and in our gold. It's been said that a few centuries ago, there was a sharp interchange between the Pope and a man named Thomas Aquinas that referenced this very specific passage of scripture. The leadership of the Catholic Church was gathered together and they were counting a a very large sum of money. And in that moment, the Pope very arrogantly boasted, I guess we no longer have to say with Peter and John, silver and gold we do not have. And it's been said that in that moment, Aquinas, without missing a beat, looked at the Pope and said, and neither can you say with Peter and John, rise up and walk. For far too long, for decades, the confidence of the church has been in the wrong things. We place our confidence in our silver and our gold. We place our confidence in the number of people who attend our worship services. We place our confidence in the number of programs that our churches have to offer. We place our, progr- our, our confidence in our, our places of worship. We place our confidence in the modern church, in the production of our worship services. Our generation of the church, more than ever, we have places of worship, we have people, we have programs, we have production. What the modern church does not have is power. And what Jesus is inviting us to do during this season is to return to the power of his name because there's resurrection in his name. And maybe what needed to happen in the year 2020 is that God had to empty our buildings so that we would remember the empty tomb and that we would come back to the power of the name of Jesus. There's power in his name. There's healing in his name. You know what's amazing about this miracle in Acts chapter three is that it happens outside the doors of the place of worship. It's not something that happened inside the place of of worship. And what God has done during this season is he's brought us to the place where we can remember that the power of the church is not in the construction of our buildings. It's not in our beautiful doors. The power of the church is not in our production of our worship services. The power of the church is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, even if you're here today, and you don't claim to be religious, you don't claim to be a follower of Jesus first, I think it's incredible that you're here and I'm glad that you're here, but I wanna say something to you that I think deep down in your heart, you already know to be true, which is that your silver and your gold are not enough. That there's still nights where you lay your head on the pillow and you wonder if there's just a little bit more because you've experienced the emptiness of the things of this world. Our silver and gold can bring us temporary comfort, It can save us a little bit of trouble in this life. It might even, for some of us, prolong our lives. What it's powerless to do is offer you eternal satisfaction for your soul. Because in the same way that this man was physically paralyzed from birth, you and I have been born spiritually paralyzed by our sin. And the Bible says that we are helpless to remedy this condition on our own. There's no amount of good works that we can do to earn our salvation. There's no amount of food that we can donate. There's no amount of money that we can give. There's no amount of religious deeds that we can perform. You can bring all the silver and the gold that you want. It will never be enough to purchase your soul. But the good news of the gospel is that God doesn't need our riches because the price for our salvation has already been paid. It's already been provided for us by his son, Jesus. And our salvation was not purchased with silver and gold. Our salvation was purchased by a savior who walked out of a grave. 
And this is what he's offering us today is eternal life in him. When Jesus went to the cross on Good Friday, in that moment, he became our sin. Understand this morning, Jesus did not just go to a cross or to the cross in some sort of vague, generic sense. That was my cross. That was your cross. Jesus did not just die for us. Jesus died instead of us. He died in place of us. And as he was drawing his final breath, he uttered three words that changed everything for us when he cried out, it is finished. To Telestai, it was a legal declaration that indicated the debt of our sin had been paid in full. With his final breath on Friday, God the Son said, it is finished. And with an empty tomb on Sunday, God the Father said, amen, because Jesus had paid it all. He's purchased our sin. He's purchased us as his own and he's conquered the grave. The headline today is not that coronavirus has canceled Easter. The headline today is that Jesus has canceled death. And that's the truth that we gather here together to celebrate. Here's how they celebrated together in Acts chapter three, verses eight through 10, say that leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So when we're trapped, wherever we're trapped, however we're trapped, God will hear our cry, he'll raise us up. And third, he'll set us free. He'll set us free. When someone has an encounter with the risen Christ, the evidence is absolutely undeniable. You don't meet the risen conquering savior of the universe and and not walk away different. When we encounter powerful forces, our lives become different. Coronavirus came onto the scene a few weeks ago and it, it radically and quickly spelled some changes in our individual lives. Listen, to each his own, I am not one to judge. I'm just saying, some of you went from like organic, homemade, chemical free to Clorox real quick, okay? Like things change us. And how much more when we encounter the risen savior of the universe? And this is one of the great tragedies of the church is that many of us profess to have encountered Jesus, but our lives look no different from the rest of the world. Can we honestly say that from the moment we made a profession in faith in Christ, that we walked away different? This is the stark contrast that we see here in Acts 3, is that in just the, the span of a few verses, this man goes from being the man who used to sit to the man who sat. It's a past tense. Has your life changed because you've encountered the resurrected Jesus Christ? Because this man who was moments ago trapped in loneliness, trapped in humiliation and shame, experiences the fullness of the power of the name of Jesus. And when it happened, it created a roar that disrupted conversations and left people in stunned amazement because something supernatural was happening that couldn't be explained. And this is the power of the name of Jesus. This is the power of the name of Jesus. It's like the jet engines that roar in the sky overhead. When we encounter the name of Jesus, it's something that interrupts conversations. It's something that causes our daily lives to pause. 
And for us as a community and for the church in America right now, it's, it's time once again for the church to reclaim the name of Jesus Christ, to walk in the power of his resurrection, and for the church once again to roar. It's time for multitudes to be raised from death to life in his name and for families to be restored in his name and for addictions to be overcome in his name and for the bondage and chains of sin and guilt and shame to be overcome in his name and for the church to be revived and awakened in his name. We have the opportunity here in 2020 to once again become a disruptive force for good that interrupts the perpetual narrative of death in our culture. And when this happens, and the watching world looks in and they wonder what in the world is happening with the people of God in Beaufort, South Carolina and all across this nation, we'll be able to smile and tell them that the noise they're hearing is the sound of freedom. It's the sound of sin and death being broken. It's the sound of the chains of our sin and the bondage of our sin being shattered and falling to the ground. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to minister in a maximum security prison for a couple of days. And after I shared a message there one day, I sat down with an inmate. I'm gonna just say his name is, is George. I don't wanna give away any private information about him. And I sat down with George when all of this was, was said and done. And he just had this, this long stare in his eyes. He was only about six months into his sentence and he was still just shocked by everything that was happening in his life. And everything had just finally come to call of all the mistakes that he'd made. And so we sat and we made small talk for just a couple of minutes. And then he just staring off to the side, asked this question. He said, you said that God can set me free of my sins. I said, yeah, George, that's right. And he just looks at me in the eye and he says, he says, preacher, I grew up in the church. And I can confidently tell you this, I've broken all of the 10 commandments. And then just to make sure I really heard him right, he looked at me in the eye and leaned in and he said, all of them. And then he asked me, he said, can you, you're telling me that Jesus can really set me free. And my answer to him is the same answer I'm gonna give you today, which is a resounding, yes, he can and he will. If you call on his name, he will hear your cry, he will raise you up and he will set you free. Maybe here today, you're, you're not physically necessarily in a prison, but you're not free. You're trapped by the brokenness of your sin. You're paralyzed by the guilt and shame of your failures. And you've convinced yourself that if God does see you, he's not gonna pay attention to you and he's just gonna continue walking by. But I'm here today to remind us of the empty tomb, to remind you that because there is no grave that can hold our savior, there's absolutely no sin that can hold on to you. So your sin, your addiction, your failed relationships, your broken promises, everything that we have ever done, past, present, and future, has been nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ and by faith and repentance in his name, we can be set free. The gospel of Jesus Christ is an anthem of liberty for people held in captivity. And today Jesus is here to sing his song of freedom in the prison of your shame. Wherever you are, whoever you are, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, however many times you've done it, whatever it is you did last year, whatever it is you were doing last month or last week or last night, Wherever you are today, please hear this. God loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. 
coming to the end of one of the very worst weeks we have ever had as a nation. Today, you have the opportunity to have the very best day you have ever had and turn your life over to Jesus Christ. If you will call on his name, he will hear your cry, he will raise you up, and he will set you free. So all across the property, everybody listening in through the radio, I just wanna invite you to bow your heads with me here for just a moment as we close. There's power in the name of Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 10 that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead, then we'll be saved. And he promises that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. My invitation to you today, our invitation to you today is to call on his name. And be confident that when you call on his name, you'll find freedom, you will find healing, you will find forgiveness, and you will find salvation. Our circumstances this morning are a little bit unique, but it doesn't mean that we can't invite you to respond to this gospel. Listen, God doesn't need you to get up and walk an aisle. Romans 10 says, believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you'll be saved. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And so today, wherever you are, if you find yourself in a position saying that you want to call on the name of Jesus Christ to be forgiven of your sins, to be set free of your sin, to turn from your sin, to trust in the perfect life, death, and righteousness of Jesus Christ, to put your faith not in your life and in your works, but in his life and in his works, trusting that everything that he has done is perfect and sufficient to save you. If that's you today, according to God's word, if you confess Jesus as Lord with your mouth, and you believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so all across the property today, everybody listening in on the radio, I wanna invite you to pray that now. It's not repeating any prayer that saves you, it's faith in Jesus Christ that saves you. But what you may feel right now is a desire to pray and to ask Jesus and to surrender to him as the Lord of your life. And if that's you today, I would just invite you to pray something like this. Lord, I need you. A turn from my life of sin to the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ. I renounce my ability to save myself and I call on your name as my only hope for salvation. Will you forgive me of my sin? Will you give me a new heart? Give me a new mind, give me new desires as I live by faith in Jesus Christ. You fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Set me free and give me a passion to live for your name and for your glory. If that's you this morning, this is what we wanna invite you to be able to do. And our circumstances today are incredibly unique. They're incredibly unique, but what we've provided for you, if you go to the easteratthedrivein.org website, is there's a link that says response form in the service order. And there's just a few quick questions in there. Today is the day that you want to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Tell us that there. There's a box you can check. You might be saying today, maybe you've you've been disconnected from the church for a long time. And today the Lord is just stirring something new in your heart and you want to renew your commitment to Jesus Christ and to the mission of his church. Share that with us today. Maybe you're here today and you're just interested in getting connected to a church family. You can share that with us today. Share prayer requests in there. But this is what I want to do here for just a moment. I want to give this opportunity. 
We can't get out of cars. We can't walk around. And largely, we cannot see your faces. So pretty much all across the property, this is gonna be between you, this is gonna be between Jesus, and this is gonna be between me. But if today you or anyone in your vehicle are expressing that you want to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, wherever you are across the property, if that's you, I wanna ask you just to flash your hazard lights where you're seated. Almost nobody's gonna be able to see you. Almost nobody is gonna know that this is happening except for me and except for God. And praise God for that. Praise God. Praise God. And everybody else, how about we honk our horns to celebrate new life in Jesus Christ? Praise God. Praise God for this. Praise God for new life in his name. Let's pray together. We're gonna sing one more song together and we'll be closing our time together today. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to stand out here and to declare and to remember and to believe in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. We stand out here, Father, in a season where, where we have become stripped of so much of what we think makes us strong as a church, as a people, as a nation, and you've brought us to this place of dependency, and we ask that you would help us to remember you. God, that you would use the, the crazy effort of, of Easter services at a drive-in movie theater, as we're parked in our cars with our radios tuned in. Father, maybe even use something simple like this to revive and awaken and restore your church in Beaufort, South Carolina. We praise you for the hope of the empty tomb. We praise you for the finished work of your son, Jesus Christ, on the cross, that we by faith could believe in him and respond and be saved. So Father, be glorified now once again as we sing to you. Be honored by our time together today. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.